0: Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1241 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday. And thank you for joining us as always on this podcast making us your first listen each and every day check us out on apple podcasts spotify youtube on the video side please subscribe via all those platforms across the board it's the best way to support the show and uh, again thank you for joining us as always today's podcast will be myself and andrew kelly momentarily joining me from Peachtree hoops andrew is very smart and actually he'll be back later on this week as well with some fake trade extravaganza but this time around focusing on the draft in reaction to the lottery of course the hawks not participating in the lottery this time around being in the playoffs no ping pong balls bouncing for the Hawks but still some fallout and if you have listened to this podcast for long enough you will know that I just love the draft overall so I have some reaction at the top of the draft and then some Hawks related stuff for a lot of people I think um, this is kind of the day when people when the draft gets real in a lot of ways Uh, for the more casual observers the draft is now less than six weeks away a little bit more than five weeks away actually about five and a half weeks so uh, we're getting into crunch time here for the NBA draft we'll have plenty of coverage on that in this space, but sort of a primer at the top, and then we'll uh, get into myself and Andrew on the draft, and then again later this week, some fake trade stuff, because Andrew is always dialed in, and we'll talk about the big names, Donovan Mitchell, uh, Rudy Gobert, Deion and et cetera. That's coming up later this week, and the uh, best time to subscribe to the podcast is right now. As for today, uh, a lot of results, of course, are in the Orlando Magic, the Hawks' Southeast Division rival, if you want to say that, have the number one pick, number one pick on the draft. It, it's a fascinating decision for Orlando. This is a draft overall, which we'll get into with Andrew and other people in the future. There is no consensus number one overall pick. I think a lot of people basically have one of four players at the top of this class. Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga. Jabari Smith from Auburn, Paula Boncaro from Duke, or Jaden Ivey from Purdue has a lot of fans as well. Um, I think for me, uh, Chet's number one on my board, but very narrowly at this point, and it's definitely not a tear break. It's kind of like those guys are all fairly similar evaluations, different players to be sure, but not a huge standout number one for me. I'd probably take the best guy, regardless. If I was Orlando, there is a the thought that they have a lot of front court players, of course. But you know, Mobama's going to be a free agent, et cetera. They have Franz Wagner, who's more of like a combo forward type. So I'd, I'd probably go Chet if you maybe choose right now today for Orlando. Jabari Smith is a popular mock pick already. Both ESPN, uh, Jonathan Gavoni, Mike Schmitz, as well as Sam Bassini, front of the podcast, have uh, Jabari Smith number one at this moment coming out of the, coming out of the lottery on Tuesday night. So keep an eye on all of that. Uh, number two is Oklahoma City, their highest pick by the way since 2007. And, of course, they dropped to Kevin Durant that year. Uh, After that, they had Russell Westbrook and James Harden, who were both top four picks, not number number, number two overall. So after they got very unlucky a year ago, the Thunder did. They got pretty lucky this time around, number two in the draft. They have to, of course, see what Orlando does. But uh, I would like any of Chet or Jabari or Paolo to Oklahoma City. Um, Jaden Ivey would be fine there as well. I'm not saying they wouldn't be, but they do have uh, sort of a uh, – Primary-ish guy in Shea, as well as Josh Giddy. They've kind of invested in those guys with the, balls in their, with the ball in their hands, so maybe more of a big um, along the way here. But uh, San Pressy's not shy, and they have three picks in the first round. They have two lottery picks. They have two two and 12 uh, overall, so uh, some flexibility there for Oklahoma City as usual. Houston number three overall, kind of taking whoever's left, but they're in this full rebuild. They're not shy either. No, no real bad fits there for the Rockets. And then Sacramento had the biggest move going up to number four overall. Um, kind of a weird spot for them if the first three picks are Holmgren, Smith, and Boncaro in some order because Jaden Ivey is not a perfect fit for Sacramento. Now, that high in the draft, and given the way that I feel about De'Aaron Fox and De'Aaron Mitchell, I would just take Ivey if I thought that he was the best player available, but um, not the most natural fit with their uh, current investments in Fox and Mitchell where they moved on from Halliburton, et cetera. And we'll see though. I've already seen some mocks uh, of Keegan Murray there, or even Shaden Sharp there. Some uh, high upside guys. And certain you know, Sharp's definitely a huge upside swing. Murray a little bit less so. But uh, interesting stuff in the top four, and then we can go you know down from there if you want to. But um, people asking how this affects the Hawks? Not really, not really anything directly. Uh, we'll, we'll get into some stuff about with uh, with Andrew Kelly about Jaden Ivey in particular later on this podcast. But that's more of a pie in the sky trade up notion. The Hawks could be aggressive and trade up if they want to, but for the most part. The top of the lottery wasn't going to affect too much of what the Hawks are doing. Just as a reminder, though, before we get any deeper into this, the Hawks have the number 16 overall pick. That is not going to change uh, unless, they, unless they trade the pick. Number 44 is the uh, second-round pick for the Hawks this time around. And in the future, the Hawks have all of their own first-round picks. They've not traded any first-rounders in the future, and they have actually one extra pick. It's that pick in the Cam Reddish deal, which, is, which came from New York, but it's actually Charlotte's first-round pick. It's protected, which is why the Hawks don't have it this time around. But uh, basically, the Hawks are in good shape. They have some extra second round picks as well. They're definitely in the positive category. There's a future facing draft assets. So if you want to trade up, um, even just like a kind of a modest trade up to like, you know, eight, nine, 10, they have the capital to do that. And of course, the only time in the Schlank era, that the Hawks have actually traded up in a draft was the was to get, go, go get DeAndre Hunter when they traded a few assets to go ahead and do that, and then probably overpaid to do that. But even then, it went from eight up to four. That costs a lot um, to go that far up at that point in the draft. Um, if they were to go all the way up in the top five this year, it probably has to be some sort of crazy pick package or someone like John Collins or DeAndre Hunter or something like that. Building around that, if you want to get a pretty aggressive, I wouldn't necessarily advocate for that. But we'll get into that more later on. Um, it's also just pretty wide open for the Hawks. It's something I'm going to be saying a lot. I've already said it on this podcast a few times, but I did sort of an overview on the podcast a few weeks ago, and they're probably 15, 20, maybe even 25. If you want to get crazy guys, the Hawks could draft at 16 overall. That of course takes into account. what you know. Maybe, maybe a guy falls unexpectedly like Jalen Johnson did a year ago. Like no one basically had Jalen Johnson getting to 20 uh, a year ago. Same with John Collins. When he, when he fell to 19, that was a surprise. Um, So there's probably three or four guys like that that could fall um, further than I think they will then you have a group of like 10 to 12 guys who I think would just be reasonable picks at 16 overall. And then maybe if Travis Schlank falls in love with someone that's off the board, that's always possible too. This is a draft that's pretty flat in my mind in the Hawks range. So uh, there are truly a lot of possibilities at this point. There are some guys that I think will be gone probably when the Hawks pick that I would like from your you know, Dyson Daniels, Jeremy Sohan, um, Johnny Davis, even if you were to fall. Um, there's some more guys that I, I think are pretty realistic in some ways. Ty Ty Washington, who's a guy that I actually mocked to the Hawks tonight for dying in my first mock draft since since the lottery, of course, was uh, was was set. Also, like Tari Eason, who was in the Hawks um, training facility a couple weeks ago for a visit. Ochai Baji, Patrick Baldwin Jr. Those are very different players, but all guys, I think, would be pretty reasonable picks for the Hawks. And again, pretty, pretty wide open. We'll get some intel. I'm sure I'll probably start to hear some things more in the future now that we know the draft order. But uh, that's going to be all about what's going to be happening there and kind of the fluidity. Of all of that. As for the mock drafts, I know I mentioned a second ago that I mocked Ty Ty Washington to the Hawks. Also, so did ESPN um, this evening. I saw a few people that were uh, putting up mock drafts immediately. I know Sam Vecini, again, our friend of the podcast from The Athletic, who's been on the show a few times before, has Malachi Brandon from Ohio State to the Hawks 16 overall. It'd be a perfectly reasonable pick. He's more of an offense first um, guy, but certainly a, a pretty strong creator on the wing that might be a pretty, a pretty intriguing upside pick. So, lots and lots of names that we'll throw around in the near future. And lastly, before we get to Andrew, a couple people have asked me, like, kind of if the Hawks stopped their workouts because none of the media, including myself, have been like kind of tweeting out the list the last few days. The simple reason for that, by the way, is just that the NBA draft combine is happening this week in Chicago. That's where the lottery was for a reason. All of the league basically is there this week. Every team is there. The top guys are there. So basically putting on hold any of that uh, in house workout stuff for uh, the next week or two. Um, it'll be wrapping up again soon, I am sure. But keep in mind that the Hawks and every other team does not have to have a specific player um, in their building in, in terms of a group workout. They've always done individual workouts. They're not necessarily as public as well. That's part of the fun in the first round is like t- sometimes agents don't want their guys to come in for draft for draft workouts. Uh, it's a kind of a push pull behind the scenes. There's stuff that I'll hear that I can't report, et cetera. Always a little bit of a mystery this time of year, but All that said, workouts will be wrapping up again next week and beyond once the Combine is settled. And if you want to watch the Combine coverage, it's definitely wall-to-wall stuff on ESPN. Pretty interesting time to be an NBA NBA draft person. And again, about five, five and a half weeks until the NBA draft. So keep it it locked right here uh, and we'll have full coverage. We'll have guests in the future. We've already had a few already on this show. Last week, we had Mark Schill talking about the draft. We've had previous guests. Um, We had, uh, you know, all kinds of people last year as well. This is definitely a, a draft-based podcast, for, for you know, not, not, not the whole time. Obviously, we'll do it as player capsules. And fi- by the way, as a reminder, earlier this week, myself and Glenn Willis talked about both Danella Gallinari and John Collins on the show. We'll have um, all the capsules rolling out in no particular order, just kind of talking about the guys, their to the roster, along the way. So uh, we're definitely you know, coming to you three, four, five times a week, even in the offseason, and hopefully that is appreciated. Okay, uh, with all that said, before we get to Andrew, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Athletic Greens. And my schedule is pretty crazy all the time. I started taking Athletic Greens because I was trying to be healthier, have more energy, want to see what all the fuss was about. And I've been on it for a while at AG1 is really awesome i absolutely love it ag1 does not just like anything that i've actually had before that was actually supposed to be super healthy i actually look forward to taking ag1 each and every morning it's the first thing i have when i wake up and just one delicious scoop of ag1 for athletic greens it has 75 high quality vitamins minerals whole foods source superfoods probiotics adaptogens to help you start your day on the right note and then special vitamin ingredients that support your nervous system your immune system your gut health your energy and gives you the ability to focus and recover it's cheaper than your cold brew habit as well that's always very nice for people like me that drink a lot of coffee and ag1 also supports your sleep quality and recovery as well as mental clarity and alertness right now it's time to reclaim your health and army immune music with the convenient daily nutrition that ag1 and athletic greens can provide just one scoop of and a cup of water each and every day and that is all you have to do for ag1 no need for a million different pills and supplements to look for to look out for your health. And to make it even easier for you, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one year supply of immune supporting vitamin D when you order right now. And they also have five free travel packs. For your first purchase, all you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash MBA network. That's athleticgreens.com slash MBA network. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. And imagine dipping your finger into that plastic of birthday cake frosting and then open your eyes, realizing that it's only 150 calories and 16 grams of protein. That's what it's like to eat a birthday cake puff from Built Bar. I just received a box of birthday cake puffs, and I've had nothing else like it, quite honestly. They're available right now. We can't promise will still be there tomorrow, so get them right now at built.com. If you haven't tried the puffs, I don't know what you're waiting on at this point. Make every single day your birthday with Built's birthday cake puffs, and Built has taken the delicious experience of biting into a fresh lake Fresh slice of birthday cake and robed it in 100% white chocolate. And they even added sprinkles. 150 calories, 16 grams of protein, 9 grams of sugar. This Limit Time flavor is an amazing option if you're looking for a healthy way of living and to get that flavor and variety in your day. All of the built puffs have 100% real chocolate around the outside. That means with built, you can eat healthy and actually enjoy doing it. They're also made with collagen protein, which your body can absorb more efficiently. And that provides a ton of health benefits. Go to built.com right now, get the birthday kick birthday puffs and much more by using the promo code LOCK15 when you get there. Promo code LOCK15 will get you 15% off on the order with built bar. And all of that can be found at built.com. One more time, that is promo code LOCK15, 15% off at built.com. I am joined now by front of the podcast. NBA roster-building connoisseur, Andrew Kelly, is here. Hello, sir. How are you?
1: I'm great, man. Enjoying uh, the demolition of the Suns in Game 7. Uh, ready to talk some uh, some Hawks basketball.
0: Yeah, that was wild. Uh, we were recording this uh, actually on Monday, so we're, we're pre-lottery. I, I do want to uh, do this part first and talk about some draft stuff. Obviously, the Hawks are not in the lottery, but the lottery will affect some things that happen on Tuesday, so we're going to be kind of general along the way. But before I ask you about some Hawks stuff, I, I do – want to get your take I kind of know what it is but for people listening uh what uh, what your kind of general philosophy is about the draft both in general and also to put kind of a curveball behind this uh the Hawks in 2022 because I know uh, you see the same stuff that I do on Twitter there's a a large portion of the fan base that's kind of done drafting players now they want to they want to trade the pick for someone good now and they saw what happened with Jalen Johnson last year etc so uh where's your head at I guess with the uh, draft processes this time around
1: well, in a vacuum, I would say my philosophy, at least in the lottery, is that you should try and draft for upside, simply because the avenues to acquiring, like the, the type of talent that you need to go deep in the playoffs, typically that comes in the early lottery or the mid-lottery at least. And that's where you really want to be taking big swings for the most part. However, later on, I think you can take account uh, team need a lot more. And certainly with the Hawks now, uh, especially with Nate McMillan as coach, um, I think you have to consider like the aptitude for a prospect to potentially play early. I think it's something to, to monitor, you know, guys that might be three or four year guys that I might have discounted previously in the past, just because I, I don't see the upside with them are now more relevant in a team that's trying to win now with Nate McMillan as head coach. So I think that you have to kind of adjust your philosophy in some ways, according to team situation. And that's particularly true with the Hawks.
0: Yeah, uh, I made the uh, comment, I think even to you or somebody in our in our Slack channel about how it's kind of like Bud is back with regard to the draft. You know, famously when Bud was in charge, uh, he was, of course, the weird head coach, president of basketball operations duo. But that 2016 draft in particular, when they drafted two old wings in Torian Prince and DeAndre Bembry, pretty much expressly and they kind of admitted it even like they wanted guys who were closer to play because they were trying to win now. And you can argue with that, with that philosophy, of course, it's not always going to be productive, but it's also kind of practical when you know the nature head coach and you know, the situation, I, I still kind of lean in terms of maybe taking a swing down, down the line, but you have to know, especially right now, that if you do that, you got to wait and you got to be patient. Um, I think Jalen Johnson was kind of a hybrid of those things. I think a year ago, we kind of knew, at least I said a lot that uh, you know, with that team, the roster they had, with that with that coach, he wasn't going to play a lot. I still love that draft pick. Uh, he was he was not the most raw guy in the world. Obviously, he's a little bit raw. He had, a, this, of course, the short season at Duke, et cetera. But uh, he was kind of the hybrid, because he fell in their lap. I think nobody really thought he was going to be there at twenty, and he did. Um, obviously, that could happen again this time around, but. Um, you know, they, they could be looking at older guys. There are some like twenty, like, you know, twenty-two year olds from like Ochai Abaji. Uh, you know, Tari is a little bit older guy. Um, you know, Jalen Williams from Santa Clara might be in their range, like twenty-one year old, twenty-two year olds they are like more ready to play now versus like your Patrick Baldwin Jr. types, who is clearly a, a ways off after kind of a bad year at Milwaukee, but was uh, a high-end RSCI guy and uh, you know your Kendall Browns, that kind of guys, like who are very far away. There's definitely different tacks you can take in this class? It sounds like you might want to go a little bit short term uh, if they make the pick.
1: Yeah, I think so, like to a degree. You know, I'm definitely open to upside there. I'm open to moving up to get more upside. But with where they're at in the draft... I mean, when you just see the situation with Jalen Johnson last year, who I thought was a very good prospect and he, he didn't play at all. I think you have to have realistic expectations for these guys and that should influence your thinking to some degree. I, I don't think that you necessarily want to base your decision making off of a coach, you know, which which tends to be more ephemeral. There's like right. turnover all the time. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, I, th- I think you do have to plan on that to, to, to a degree. So for that, for that reason, I'm probably more inclined to look at guys that have a chance to crack the rotation next year, like an Abaji that he mentioned earlier versus someone like a PBJ who I think does have like tangible upside, but it's going to take time to unlock that and may not have the consistent playing time needed in Atlanta to do so. So I think you have to factor that into your calculus with who you take there.
0: Yeah. And you can go the other direction too. It kind of depends on what your whole philosophy is. That makes it challenging always talking about the draft uh, being before free agency and before, you know, it's it's sort of the kickoff of trade season as well in a lot of ways. But if you are planning to not necessarily run it back, but planning to have a core in place of, you know, nine, 10, 11 guys that you already want to play, it's easier to take someone like uh, that's further away. Um, and just planning on them not playing this year. almost making it a red shirt like they did with Jalen Johnson. I think that was probably part of the calculus last year was that, you know, no matter who they drafted a year ago, um, they probably would not have planned to play that guy a lot. Obviously there would have been some guys who were closer to playing than others. You could sort of a uh, dream cast now with Herb Jones or whoever you want to say, but realistically those guys, the guys were not really in, in the mix at number 20. And I think that, you know, they kind of knew all along, it was going to be kind of a red shirt year for Jalen. And we'll see what, what that guy sort of has in store for the future uh you did mention you stuck it in there uh, we're going to do a fake trade discussion later on and sort of a part two of this but uh there is one sort of fake trade scenario that I, i've seen you talk about so i want to i want to do that now um uh, because it, it involves the draft uh people always ask me like should the hawks or will the hawks or could the hawks all that all that stuff trade up in this draft and i think that is uh interesting always they have the capital the hawks had their future picks they have the extra pick coming from charlotte via New York, all that stuff, uh, but you know, are you in the trade up camp as a potential option? And uh, I know if you want to aim crazy high, you kind of have to go really high. We're talking about this without knowing the without knowing the lottery, but are is there a guy or two that you'd actually be really intrigued enough to kind of uh, push some chips in for?
1: Yeah, I think that that was a good setup for me. But yeah, <laughs> I, I I do really like Jaden Ivy in this class. I just think that he's very very intriguing for a number of reasons. As we saw in the playoffs, one of the issues that the Hawks have had clearly is generating creation from additional players. If you look at their offensive rating over the last two playoffs, um, despite a lot of regular season success, I mean, they really have underachieved. Uh, They were 14th in offensive rating this year. They were 12th the year prior. Of course, a lot of that has to do with the nature of the opponents they played. Very, very good defenses. But that's who you're likely to see in the playoffs. And we've seen situations where uh, teams like Miami are able to just suffocate Trey and they don't have another incisive dribbler or someone who's able to create their own shots and create for others in a way that can scale up to primary usage if teams are committed to taking Trey off the board. Um, so for that reason, I, I really do like Ivy. I think he's a very intriguing prospect. Um I probably honestly like him more for the Hawks than in most teams because I have some doubts about his playmaking in a vacuum. If you see him as like a primary, you know, point guard, um, as opposed to somebody who can uh, play off ball and get downhill. Um, so for the Hawks, I really do like him a lot. I think he's like around six four. He's incredible coming down, uh, down uh, with with speed. There's a lot, just there's just a lot to like about him, you know, and. Yeah. I think if you could give up a reasonable haul for him, I think it's worth pushing some chips in. Um, certainly, I think you have to include a player like at least Collins measure to really tempt the team. And you need a team like Portland or Sacramento, uh, a team with aspirations of being good next year and is not committed to a full rebuild because I think they're more likely to you know, want to play ball with you than if they were a team like Oklahoma City, which is still trying to build a foundation. But I just really think getting another ball handler, another guy who can create his own shot is going to be a key part of whether the Hawks can unlock like a true contention window, like a team that can get to the finals, something along those lines as opposed to being a team that's going to have difficulties getting out of the second round. So Ivy's a, a guy I, I really like.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I'm not as – I think you're probably a little bit higher on him in a vacuum than I am, but I do think that uh, you know the, the thought process of having him paired with a primary creator makes sense like for the draft standpoint again we're a day before the lottery but I kind of been talking about Jaden Ivey with the Pistons for similar reasons playing him with Cade not having to have have to be the guy etc um clearly it would take a lot you mentioned the Collins name there there is maybe like a pick based package you could go you go with if you want to like you know use sort of the DeAndre Hunter package to go way up but the Hawks do uh and and I mean that is like what they actually paid for DeAndre Hunter not necessarily DeAndre Hunter now but you know remembering this um, just as, as a sort of comparison point, the Hawks had to pay, you know, three assets to go up from eight to four to draft DeAndre Hunter. Um, having to go from 16 up into the top three or four is going to take quite a bit. So I'm sure people probably recoiled when hearing that it might take Collins to do that. But, you know, that's just kind of the price to do a business. You have to you have to pay a lot. I probably wouldn't do that, but I do understand the thought process behind it. And it always costs more than you want it to cost. Um, and, you know, I will say Travis Schlenk, um has been known to fall in love as he did with Hunter and he'll kind of just pay whatever he has to pay to get a guy. And I'm not sure if that's Jay and Ivy, obviously it could be anybody could be uh, not a prospect at all. And that's the other thing that I want to ask you before we move on from this particular topic is like, you know, I'm sure there's a thought process. Like, look, if you're going to trade up for a rookie, like, aren't you slowing down your timeline? And I, I don't necessarily have a, have a problem with that, but I think internally the Hawks from ownership, especially on down, maybe aren't super thrilled to uh, suddenly be, you know, trading up for a draft pick right now and uh, having it kind of slow things down. Does that concern you? I kind of I kind of know how you think about this stuff for the most part, but uh, is that anything that's sort of in your mind when, if you were to do that?
1: Yeah, I think that's certainly true. And, and you're one of the biggest proponents. I, I know that, you know, rookies are usually bad. Yes. So <laughs> even if you trade up for like a top five pick and you get one of the top talents, the likelihood of them, you know, generating impact along the lines of like a top 50 to 60 type player is just not it's so, very common. It's so small. It's, I mean, even yeah. last year,
0: like you saw a great example last year is Jalen green, who like had a lot of flashes late in the season, but, and, you know, two years ago, three years ago, Anthony Edwards was, was very similar to this. Like there are guys who by the end of the year, they're showing you something, but in terms of their, their full seasons as rookies, and these are top two, three picks that were like in the mix to go number one overall, or didn't get did, a, did go number one overall in Edwards case. And they were still bad as rookies. Like that's just what happens.
1: Yeah. So to your point, I think that as far as helping them next year, it's less likely. But I also think that you have to have an eye beyond next year. I mean, that should just yeah. generally be how you approach things when you're trying to build a long term contender. You shouldn't be so short term oriented. And even on a team like Golden State, where the core of their team is in their 30s, they still use their draft picks to try to accumulate talent to potentially you know, help these guys as they age down the line. And, you know, Trey is 23. Like, he's he's not old. He's still a couple of years away from his prime. So I think you could look at it like, well, we might be worse next year as far as, you know, we, maybe we go out in the first round or something along those lines. But if we give Ivy a couple of years to marinate, then maybe we have something that could potentially open a contention window for us down the road. So I think it's really, you know, kind of how you perceive him as a talent, for one, and whether you're willing to be patient through the first year or two when there might be some struggles in order to unlock the highest ceiling that you could have as a team during Trey's prime. So I, I think that's ultimately the goal. You know, you want to have the best team possible around Trey when he's 26 and he's, he's ready to make that deep, you know, finals kind of run. Um, so I, I think that's, you know, the, the key part of the equation there. But I do think you're right that it's probably not something that makes them better for next year. But again, I think my priorities are, are further down the line.
0: Yeah, and I I understand that completely. I just think that uh, I'm not sure. Anyway, I, I shouldn't speak for them in absolutes, but I don't think that uh, Tony Russell is necessarily thrilled with uh, with slowing it down a little bit. We'll see. Uh, I'll oh, yeah. see. And, <laughs> and if Shlank falls in love, he falls in love, and he's uh, he's been willing to do that. So um, before I ask you about some guys in the in the in the Hawks' actual range at 16, if they don't trade up, a word from our sponsors on the podcast today. Today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. In the auto world, it sort of makes the models these days, it's basically impossible for local chain stores and dealerships to stock all the car parts that you actually need. And even if they had them, you actually want to endure the question from the person behind the counter. They want to sell what they want to sell from behind the counter or in their warehouse or wherever. Instead of doing all of that, you have access to rockauto.com at home or in your pocket. That's a much better option overall. And why spend more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or dealership when you order them at rockauto.com very, very easily? And rockauto.com is a family business you can support. And they've been serving customers for more than two decades at this point. The prices at rockauto.com are also reliably low and the same for each and every customer. They have all of what you need for your car or your truck. That includes brake parts and tail lamps, motor oil, even carpet. Wherever you are looking for for your car or truck, they definitely have it at rockauto.com. And check out the website right now, rockauto.com, to see all the parts available for your car or your truck. And when you get there, write locked on in the box that asks you how you heard about Rock Auto and tell them that we sent you over there. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, Andrew. Um... Of course, the Hawks are 16 overall. If they were to stay there, we don't know for sure who will be available, but we kind of have an idea of guys in that range. I'm not going to ask you to go for your entire board necessarily, but uh, anybody sticking out to you that you've been looking for? I've I've been hearing a lot of Tari Eason love from Hawks fans and some other guys in that range as well, but uh, what do you make of uh, this range?
1: Yeah, I think Tari Easton's a good guy to start with. If if you look at like the the ESPN board, he's someone who has a pretty good chance to be um, on the table when the Hawks are able to to draft their pick at 16. Um, but he's he's interesting to me. I mean, he's six eight. He's very explosive. He played most of his minutes at center, and he came off the bench. So he's he's really an interesting prospect in a way because he's not like you know someone who started at the three and. Uh, contributed in that way you have to kind of squint to think about what his best role is going to be in the nba um i have some concerns about how his driving might translate when he's not you know getting matched up against slower fitted bigs and that and that sort of thing um but i do think he's really interesting um I, I think in general gambling on guys who are like 6'8 and you know athletic like he is and and most importantly to get to the free throw line i think that's a big deal um i think that's a a really interesting gamble they can make in the middle of the draft. He's someone too that I could see a team sort of falling in love with and, you know, maybe taking like the mid to late lottery as well. But I I do like him. Um, Like I said, I I do have questions about how well his, his handle is going to translate. And I think that there's some feel issues with him. Um, That's something that's going to take time to work out. And that's also concerning when you relate back to what I said initially about um, the minutes may not be there for guys who are developing, you know, sort of raw prospects uh, in a Nate McMillan type of uh, system. But I think that there's a lot to like in, in general, I think it, if you were to stay put with where they are, I think that that's like one of the better picks they could make as far as like a combination of upside and some utility, you know, I, I think yeah. they should be looking at guys that have some versatility ability to play the three and the four and, you even some small ball five with him, I think, is, is pretty tempting as well. So he's one of the guys that I would have uh, higher on my board as far as, like, guys that the Hawks could take there.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, especially, you know, the defensive physicality that you can bring, and they don't really have a ton of that. Um, I'm with you on the, on the questions. Um, for instance, I think he had more than double turnovers to assist last year at LSU not the ratio you want for a guy uh, who's, uh, you know, a small forward size kind of player. Um, and the shooting has been a little bit um, unclear. He had, a, he had a decent year for three this year, but on a pretty small sample size was not a shooter at Cincinnati before that. So um, there are some questions for sure. Um, you know, he was, and it, it wasn't necessarily like a five-star high school guy either. He was, you know, a top hundred guy, but sort of in the lower end of that ends up at Cincinnati comes to the LSU after that. So not a traditional path necessarily either, but, I do think that in that range, being realistic and not expecting to get, you know, the, the former top five prospect, Jalen Johnson, <laughs> every year at 20 or at, or at 16 this time around is uh, is worth was worthwhile. I think it'll be realistic in that range. Like, I don't know. There's so many guys we could touch on. I think for the most part, I've kind of identified you know, 10 or 11, maybe 12 guys that I'm like pretty sure are going to be gone. And then there's like a range of like 15, 20 guys that they, they, they could reasonably Um, sort of take uh, do you have like a personal favorite is it is it Easton like what's your what's your uh, semi-realistic dream scenario at 16
1: well Easton I like a lot just again because I I like the combination of upside and the ability to be versatile across positions and drawing free throws I think again is is very important when you look at their hog throster construction they just don't don't have (laughs) Yeah. yeah they don't have a lot of guys who are good at getting to the line so that's something that is important that I think he could add so he probably is like my realistic favorite there i guess um and you mentioned at the, him at the start of the podcast too but otay abaji i think is really interesting just because if you had to look at this range of players and you're trying to get somebody that i, I think could you know at least compete with deandre hunter or back him up something along those lines like he's somebody i could see cracking a rotation pretty early he's someone that i think coaches are going to be inclined to to like um i've seen him mocked in various places i think espn's board has him at the end of the lottery like 13 or 14 or something but i think he has a good chance to make it there but you know he's someone that again i think he can contribute early he's a little bit undersized if you see him as a three i think he's like around six five or so with like a six ten wingspan but he shot over 40 percent from deep on six and a half attempts per game Um, He's only a 71% foul shooter. So it's possible that, you know, that number might favor him a little bit and might not hold up on a a longer sample, but uh, a good defender, a good shooter, someone who I think is ready to play. He's just someone that I think could potentially contribute early and be a good value on a a rookie deal. So he's someone that I, I tend to really like in their range.
0: Yeah, if you're if you're going for the more uh what we talked about before for sort of the more not necessarily conservative but more of the short term facing he he would be high on the list if he's available. Um, the exact opposite. Of him. I know we mentioned him earlier was Patrick Baldwin. Um, that's more of the more of the home run ish kind of guy. A former literally, a, you know, he was number one in the class at one point a couple of years ago, and now uh, had a disaster season at Milwaukee playing for his dad. And uh, I think will be a, probably. a be available when the Hawks pick, you know, 19 year old, but he's like, you know, six, nine with shooting attributes and uh, pretty interesting stuff there. And like, you get into like Blake Wesley and you get into, um, a guy that I love, like probably a little bit early for him, but like, I, lo- I love, I Dale and Terry from Arizona as a potential Hawks guy. If they wanted to like, if she just falls in love with someone and doesn't care about value, I think Dale and Terry at 16 might be something that's kind of in play. Um, I don't know. It's just interesting to me. Like the board is so wide open in my mind that essentially, uh, only the true centers are kind of off the board, and even then, because of like the potential that the Hawks could move on from either a or Capella uh, in the coming days, like if they were going to plan to do that, you could draft Mark Williams. Like I'm not saying you need to do that, but you could if you had a plan. Otherwise, obviously that's the one spot right now on the roster they don't need is another is another center, but uh, you know the board is very very open for them.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. And it's also a thing, too, where, you know, it's kind of anticlimactic. But if you were to think back to the 2015 draft when they traded that pick for Timmy Hardaway, uh, this is something that I think they could do here, too. You know, if you could oh, get yeah. like a, a proven role player or something like that. That, that is could very much important. Andrew.
0: I will say that right now. It, it, it should surprise absolutely no one if they either trade the pick for a player or attach the pick to Gallo or do something to get a player now. That That should surprise no one.
1: Yeah, it just seems like a logical thing to do here because this draft is, you know, it, it isn't as interesting to me as, as as some past drafts are, but I still like some of the fours in that range. I don't know where you are on, like, Jeremy Zohan from Baylor, but, I mean, he's pretty interesting, you know. He's, oh, yeah. he's raw, but he's very athletic at 6'9". I think he has, like, a 7-foot wingspan. He'll only be 19 on draft day, so he's a young guy. And he has these really interesting, like, skill flashes, you know. Uh, he, he'll, he'll show some, some self-creation at times. He can pass for others. I think he's probably a four, so he kind of runs into Jalen Johnson there, so that's an issue, and he has some bad shooting numbers. He he was under.
0: I think. I think. Yeah. The more the more I hear about him, I think he's going to be a lottery pick, to be honest. But we'll see.
1: He's an interesting package, you know. I mean, he 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 shot below thirty percent from deep, and I I don't know how good he is for the Hawks in general. But in a vacuum, I, I think he's pretty interesting in this part of this draft.
0: Definitely. He's, he's definitely more of an upside play and uh, his defense would be pretty interesting. Like, I think that's, that's what I like about him the most is uh, the playmaking you mentioned too, but the defensive potential for him, my all time dream pick here for the Hawks is Dyson Daniels, who I think is going to be gone. But if he were to get to 16, he's the guy that uh, if I had to pick one guy right now, that's like even like a 10% realistic, he'd be be the guy that I would choose Um, as but just for people that don't know him, he is uh, more of a – I mean, he's got shooting guard size, even small forward size. He's six seven, but like has point guard handle and is a great defender, great feel. Shooting is a little bit questionable, but that's less of a problem next to Trey. Uh, I just think that he checks a ton of boxes, and uh, it's like an actual lottery talent as well. Again, that's more of a like it falls in your lap thing like it happened with Jalen last year, where he was not on my board really at all because he's going to be gone. that um, might be the same thing with, with Dyson Daniels, but I, I love Dyson Daniels. I'm in.
1: Yeah, he's someone that I also think will be gone by then. Yeah. But it just makes a lot of sense for the Hawks in general.
0: I totally agree. Um, anything else you want to add on the draft before we move on? Because, like, you know, clearly we're five weeks away as we record this. A lot could change. The Hawks could trade out, like you said before. Um, you know, obviously for content purposes, it'd be better if they did not do that until draft night. Because we can talk about the draft in the next five weeks. But um I don't know. It's just going to be interesting to me. I, I have a lot of guys that I like, a lot of guys that I'm probably a little bit less excited about. But truly, um, I'm going to try hard not to say that like anyone's uh, a huge reach because I think there really is kind of a very large. I'm not sure if it's one tier, but I'm sure that like for, there's probably 25 guys that I think would be like defensible picks at 16. Which is it sounds like a ton. I understand that, but I'm telling you, between like basically anybody from that's not in the top 10, all the way down to like 30, 35, they're all kind of not. Not the same players, but kind of similar in terms of like what you could sell yourself on.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And in general, I just kind of frame how I would approach this draft in like a series of actions. You know, if you can get, I think Eason and I think Abazi are basically like par picks. You know, they are guys that I think you can do well on if they were to make it to you. And then I really like scenarios like trading up for Ivy and trying to consolidate like a future talent in that way, I think is important, but I also just like, you know, trading out and trying to swap it for a role player someone who can help you next year. Um, so it's an interesting draft where I think there's, there's more on the table. Um, that maybe I think is given credit for, just because there's a, a lot of options that could potentially be available. But like you said, there's, there's, a, there's a ton of different prospects, so it's kind of an eye of a holder in that sense, where um, some guys might like like a Ty Ty Washington or someone like that, yep. you know. So it just it just kind of depends on on what you're looking for. But Eason and and are two guys that I kind of I've kind of center on in this range.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you, you, I you mentioned Ty Ty because I'll come back to him later <clears throat> later on, but uh, he's listed as six three, like a six eight, six nine wingspan. And uh, I know this is very, very simple, but Kentucky guards just seem to be better in the NBA than they are in college. <laughs> and uh, I wonder, and I, I've always liked him anyway, his game's pretty interesting. And like, he's a weird fit, in some ways, because he's kind of, uh, he's not the hugest guy in the world, he's, and he's more of a combo but given what the, what we talked about earlier with the hawks what they don't have in terms of shot creation and all that stuff you might be a pretty intriguing like at minimum third guard and that may not that may not sound super exciting but at 16 overall drafting a quality third guard is actually a good outcome which people like yeah. you have to realize what you're getting in the middle of the first round if you actually could get a a solid 6th seventh man at 16 overall that's actually a what's actually a win for you so keep that in mind too not you, Andrew. Everybody else should keep that in mind. I know, I know you <laughs> know this. Um, yeah,
1: I'm, I'm with you on that. If you get, you know, a third guard, like a good rotation player in the middle of the draft, when you look at historic outcomes, like that's good. And that's I think nice, a lot of people nice. like just don't value that as much, or they don't they don't think about historical outcomes there. But yeah, it makes sense.
0: I mean, one example before we get out of here on this on this episode is uh, is Kevin Herter. I was not 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 a third guard, but Kevin Herter at 19 is like a is like a full on It's a smash A grade draft pick Yeah I mean I know that not everybody loves Kevin Herter and I get that there's people that think uh, that he's more of like just a guy but regardless of what you think about Kevin Herter I wish you're just comically low on him he's at least like a third wing on a, on a good team and that guy at number 19 overall is a great pick so John, obviously it's better to get it's better to get john collins at 19 who became like a top 50 player in the league but like you have to be realistic and so you, you can't hit on every one of those guys so anytime you can get, find someone that can contribute to you long term short term etc at 19 or 16 in this case it's uh Very, very, very positive outcome. So keep that in mind as well. Uh, Andrew, we'll have more with you uh, coming up later this week. But uh, before we get out of here, please uh, plug what you got going on. I know you're not like the most prolific writer necessarily in public spaces, but you're always tweeting and talking about draft stuff and thinking about team building and all that fun stuff. So where can people find your stuff?
1: Yeah, I think not a prolific writer is a good way to describe my output. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Listen, you, can find, okay. you can find me on Twitter. A. Kelly is what I use there. A-N-D-L-A-N-K-E-L-L is my handle. But yeah, hit me up on there.
0: Follow Andrew on the Twitter machine. I recommend that. And uh, we'll have him back later on this week with some, uh, some fake trades because he is the first person in the world I thought of to ask about fake trades. So that's coming up later in the week. Please subscribe to this podcast, and we'll see you next time.